Welcome back to Fast Performance then, I'm Tim Davies with you uh, with the latest post which seems to have gone viral. I think it's one of my first viral posts, in fact, I'm just going to jump on LinkedIn here, click, click, click and see uh, what the kind of stats are with this. Um, it's an interesting one really, I didn't think it was that interesting when I put it out, but obviously it's resonated with a lot of people. Here it is on LinkedIn, we're going to go through some stats on LinkedIn right now. So it has been seen by, let's have a look, click on that. Well, I mean, this is crazy figures. This is crazy figures. The, the name of the post is Why Fighter Pilots Know That Quick Reactions Are For Losers. It's um, been read 55,500 times. <laughs> that's just crazy. That is just crazy, guys. So, um, yeah, that's that's mental. It's been liked. So people have actually clicked the like button uh, 3,000 times. So 3,000 people in the world there have actually click that they like it i find that amazing there's 225 comments and it's been shared about 600 times that's too much for me to go through and and even the comments you know i try and read all the comments and i have read them in fact there's a couple of um strange ones on there where people have have said you don't know what you're talking about and i might be an armchair warrior but you've done the wrong thing and fine i i don't know whether these people are mentally ill at all I find it quite fascinating, to be honest with you. Anyway, um, on LinkedIn, I have about 37 articles, but this one seems to have resonated. So I'm going to I'm gonna read it to you, and then I'd like you to have a think about it. And just if you could then kind of email me, that I'd really appreciate a bit of kind of feedback about why you think this one resonated with people. Because I am all about the delivery and the service at the moment, obviously. So I'm in, I'm in the Royal Air Force still, another couple of years, another, another couple of months, as you know. But um, I, I'm trying to get this stuff out. It's all free. The 12 months of the Awesome Warrior program is all free. Everything you've read, I've never charged for anything. Don't, I'd just like to know if I've hit something here that people are responding to and they're able to engage with. You know, what is that? What is that that they can engage with? So I'm going to read it for you. Um, I would also say thank you for the people out there that are offering to pay for the whiteboard. If you, I love that whiteboard. If you're not familiar with the whiteboard, I recently did a video, the part two of the Lead Turn February, where we talk about four parts, which is creating space, which we call turning room, lead turn. Um, then we talk about uh, turn circle and turn circle entry. And we also talk about control zone and what they mean to you as individuals out in the workspace. That's a good film to watch. Um, I put another post out on the group today as well, just to uh, reiterate what those terms were. So you can have a quick read of that. It saves you going through the whole hour long film. But um, I mean, that's out there now as well. So people that have said that they'll pay for the whiteboard, pay for the pens, pay for some of the films, you know, that's great. And I really appreciate it. I can't take money off you at the moment. What I can do though, is I've got a Patreon site up. And what Patreon is, is for creators. It, that's exactly what Patreon for, is for. It's for creators. And um, if you want to contribute, there's, I think, a $5 one. There's, um, I think, a $47 one. Um, these are monthly contributions. And then there's the $100. says the bronze, silver, gold. And the gold is for people that want coaching from a guy who's taught for the last decade every fast jet pilot in the country. Now, I know $100 isn't much money when it comes to that that I'm giving you that I'll give you exactly the same training as I give to any of the fast jet flying students that are coming through the school or have come through the school. I'm doing it a hundred dollars. I've got companies out there 
offering more and yes I'm going down and speaking to these companies yes I'm also coaching their people and they're not paying $100 for the hour believe me they are paying a lot more than that so in my spare time in the evenings and the daytimes and everything else if you want coaching from me $100 it is in dollars sorry that's what the site is in um, then let's get on there let's chat I also summarize with an email and everything and then we keep it going throughout the month uh, and we make sure we take you from where you are now to somewhere that you really need to be the $47 give you a phone call say thanks very much really appreciate it that really helps with the equipment and five dollars just pays me buys me a cup of coffee really which is really nice and i really appreciate that so anything um if you want to contribute that's the way to do it um and i do really appreciate it um and of course if you want to just send a token something to paypal then that's just tim at fastjetperformance.com at paypal that, uh, obviously that helps and i'll send you an email thanking you very much so i'm going to read out this now as i said i really appreciate i really appreciate you telling me why 55,500 people have read this. Um, it's just been shared with the entire US Naval Forces um, through a group, and there's 337,000 people there. And they've shared it, and they've said, um, thanks so much, this is from our buddy Tim, it's a great read. Now, I've supported the US Navy for a long time, and you guys don't realise that, probably, and that's absolutely fine. I'm big fans of the US Navy. I was on a warship, an Arleigh Burke ship, back in about 2005 with a great bunch of guys. So... I'm a big fan of the U.S. Navy, um, the U.S. Marine Corps, worked with them briefly, uh, U.S. Army as well, and USAF, obviously, we've got a lot of um, people that uh, fly with us, and I've obviously worked with them before, especially out in Afghan. So I'm very familiar with the American military, so I do appreciate the support, and they know that I, can, I will always support what they're doing out there as well. I'm big fans of the American military. So let's go through this, and then Tim at FastJetPerformance.com. If you want to just send me an email just with your thoughts about this, whatever, then uh, I'd really appreciate it. Okay, so this is why fighter pilots know that quick reactions are for losers. I plan for the sixth order effect, and I do it in about half a second. If I had heard that from anyone other than another fighter pilot, I would have laughed them out of the room. But from my buddy Jim, I knew it was true. I've flown with him many times before. He was the kind of guy that radios weren't invented for. He just didn't need to use them. I knew what he was thinking before he'd even thought it because we'd both been trained in exactly the same way. We'd gone through flying training together and even served on the same frontline squadron. His actions were fluid, predictable, and when leading other aircraft in dynamic situations was very much appreciated by other pilots. But Jim was in trouble. He was explaining to a young air traffic control officer why he'd gone against their direction, a very serious offence. He looked over at me. Not for reassurance, he was annoyed and I understood why. If you haven't spent the last two decades flying military fast jets, you'd be forgiven for thinking that fighter pilots must have amazing reactions to do what they do. But it's not true. My reactions are probably just as good as yours. I'm over 40 now, and they might even be worse. But that's okay, as I do something that you probably don't. I know to respond and not to react. Years of instructing in flying training and exposure to situations that require critical thinking in demanding environments have taught me that to react is to die. I've seen it countless times in young, inexperienced aviators, and normally it's because they haven't had a plan for the event they've encountered. The junior pilot who fails to monitor his fuel usage on his early combat sorties and only just makes it back on fumes. The young instructor who, sensing something wrong with her aircraft, puts out a mayday call, forcing her to engage in a dialogue with air traffic and robbing her of cognitive capacity. Or the student who flies into a cloud-filled valley without thinking of an escape option. A few years back, Jim and I were flying a low-level navigation route 
and working hard on a target run when we hit a bird. Bang! The cockpit was silent. Jim was flying, I was in the back seat, and as the jet slowly climbed away from the ground, we could both feel it start to shudder. Now when a fighter jet starts to shake, it's normally the sign of an engine that is deciding if it should stay as one big bit, or become one million smaller bits, in a very short amount of time. Looking, he called calmly from the front seat, as he set about trying to diagnose the emergency. Presswick is 320 at 15 miles, I replied, detailing our nearest airfield. Sure enough, the shaking increased and pretty soon a big red caption illuminated showing us that the engine was, indeed, trying to cook itself. It's the sort of thing it does when a seagull attempts to fly through the compressor blades at about 500 miles per hour. Surge, attempting relight, he calmly stated, informing me that the engine was no longer producing power and that he was shutting it down. The only one we had. We'd just become a six-ton glider. Roger, I replied, as I got out the flight reference car's checklist in anticipation of a full engine relight drill. I felt the throttle slam back to the cutoff, starving the engine of the fuel that was promoting its unhealthy state. As Jim pitched the jet's nose high into the clear sky above, trading speed for height, I knew that we were about to enter controlled airspace, unannounced. And that's a bad thing. Clear the flight path and nobody's going to die, I thought. No need to distract Jim with this right now. He has more important things to do. By now, all non-essential aircraft systems were being taken offline as the aircraft prioritised its own survival. A smaller engine, called a gas turbine starter, was automatically fired up which would power the electrics and a tiny little windmill called a ram air turbine was thrust into the airflow to drive the hydraulics which would keep us flying. Engine RPM was falling, as was our airspeed, which reduced from 450 to 180 knots in just 30 seconds. Let me know when you're happy, Jim, I called. Okay, speed stable, RPM falling, go for it, buddy. Roger. And with that, I finally pressed the button. Mayday, 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 Victor Yankatango 61, mayday. Mayday 6-1, this is guard, steer 320 for Presswick, 12 miles, call intentions, came the immediate reply. Mayday 6-1 is a Hawk T-1 out of RAF Valley. Two POV, 12 miles southeast of Presswick at 5,000 feet in, controlled airspace, squawking emergency inbound for any runway, engine failure, attempting relight, standby. Silence. I'd ask Guard, the Military UK Emergency Agency, to stand by to give us time to action the remaining drill. I knew that the controller would now phone Presswick Air Traffic Control and tell them that they had an engineless six-ton Hawk inbound with a couple of guys who were about to cancel their RSPB memberships, and that's the Royal Society for the Protection of Birds. I could see that the engine RPM was stagnating below 20% and there probably wasn't time for a full relight. Harness, tight and locked, visor, down. I called as I started to run through the premeditated ejection checklist. RPM slowly climbing, said Jim, as I too noted that the engine was indeed attempting to restart. If it failed, we'd be abandoning the aircraft and I could already see Jim was turning towards an area of wasteland in anticipation. Mayday 6-1, all runways at Presswick available, crash crews on standby. Contact Presswick Tower on this frequency. Well, that's the engine almost back, called Jim from the front seat, but I'm not convinced she wants to be back right now. Okay, let's go to Presswick for tea, I replied, as the jet continued to vibrate its unhappiness to us both. So why didn't we panic when an engine swallowed a seagull and decided to throw a compressor blade 
out of the exhaust. Because we both had about 4,000 hours of military aviation between us and we knew that to react to the bird strike could well have put us in a far worse state. The first rule of any aircraft emergency is do nothing. It sounds counterintuitive, but the key is just to sit on your hands and observe what is happening. In the tornado GR4, a spurious caption could be the beginning of something far more serious, such as a rear fuselage fire or uncontained engine failure. To rush in could make things far worse. What we are buying ourselves is thinking time. If, on hearing the bang of the bird strike, I had jumped onto the radio and called for help, my world would have immediately been filled with multiple air traffic agencies offering their support. Every aircraft in the near vicinity would also have offered to help. Now I'm dealing with a complicated emergency and also trying to talk to a lot of people who can do nothing to help me. If the jet's going to explode, it's going to explode. There is nothing that air traffic can do that will stop that happening. A reaction is instant. It's driven by the beliefs and biases of the unconscious mind. When you react to something, that's the unconscious mind jumping in. It doesn't take into account long-term effects. It's based on our necessities to survive from when we used to have to run from saber-toothed tigers and is there to keep us alive as part of our defense mechanism. A response, however, is more thought out. It takes into account information from our conscious and unconscious minds, balancing it all and weighing everything up. A response considers the longer-term effects, or as Jim puts it, the fourth, fifth, and sixth order effects. Jim was programmed to respond, even if it meant the loss of the aircraft in the immediacy following a bird strike. But it wasn't just this that had saved the aircraft. Jim had something else on his side. Planning. Jim had planned for the bird strike long before he ever hit the bird. Jim had thought about it when we had planned the flight three hours before. He had then explained in the pre-flight brief what he would do around various parts of the route should he hit a bird and what airfields he would use should he lose the engine. It was something he'd practice in the simulator hundreds of times. Everything that happens in jet flying is planned. Every possible scenario has a prescribed response that has been thought out in the cold light of day, away from the pressures of the cockpit. Nothing is left a chance. Jim had a plan. Most people don't have a plan. It's true. And this means that when life happens to them, as it has a nasty habit of doing, people will react, often causing the situation to worsen. Here's a quote. If you don't know where you're going, you'll end up someplace else. That's Yogi Berra. The young man who decides to assault a guy who is chatting up his girlfriend ending up with a custodial sentence from a court case that he never expected. The wife who posts her husband's infidelity all over social media, thus making any chance of reconciliation unlikely. Or the middle manager who tells his boss exactly what he thinks of him before ending up at the job centre, the wrong side of 50, and with 10 years of a mortgage still left to pay. Planning means to think things through before they happen. It means thinking about how you are going to respond to things. If you are a little overweight and decide to start a fitness regime of running first thing in the morning, you have a much higher chance of success if you lay out your running gear on your bedroom floor the night before. It means you are planning to remove the hassle factor in the morning. When a young airman or woman goes through basic training, they will often get picked up for the smallest of things, such as a button that is undone, a loose thread on their jumper, or a bed that's been poorly made. 
They will complain about the pettiness of it all. They will get angry at being punished and they will wonder why their instructors don't just concentrate on the things that really matter instead. It's only when they get into the later stages of training that they start to understand that in order to do the more advanced things in the military, you have to have mastered the basics. Because the details matter. Paying attention to a button being undone means you're more likely to check that the safety catch of your weapon is on when doing a forced night march in freezing cold rain at three in the morning. It teaches you to think of the what ifs or the actions on. If my button is undone, then the staff will punish us all. I won't get to go home at the weekend. Everyone will hate me and my boyfriend will go to the pub without me and might meet someone else. If I don't check the safety catch on the range because I neglected the basics, I might fire around off accidentally and kill one of my buddies. It's all about the planning. This is what is being taught by the instructor's pettiness. When the Stoics, Seneca, Epictetus and Marcus Aurelius used to sit around thinking about whether to watch another YouTube video or build a Spotify playlist, they also liked to involve themselves in something called the premeditation of evils or premeditatio malorum if you prefer the Latin. It's also called the inversion technique and is a process that gives prior consideration to events that might happen before they actually do happen. What if my house floods? Do I have anything that I need to save and do I need to have insurance? What if I fail to get the grades to get into my chosen university? Do I have another one in mind? Or what if I lose my job? Do I have enough money in reserve to live on whilst I find another? Thinking out these questions in advance allows you to respond calmly to the event rather than react inappropriately to it. And that's pretty much what Jim had just taught the young air traffic controller who had attempted to lecture him about not contacting them sooner and for flying into controlled airspace unannounced. Next time you're in the office and feel the need to react to something someone's done, just think about two experienced pilots in a badly damaged aircraft responding to a serious emergency. Breathe and be aware of your breathing. It calms you down. Take a step back, learn all the facts and assess. Use language to diffuse a situation. I will have to think about how to respond to that. Be aware of the other person. You don't know what kind of day they're having. Don't jump in with solutions. Just allow the moment to pass, then you can respond. Think about events that might cause you to react and plan for them. If you don't plan your life, I guarantee someone will plan it for you. So, now you know why you don't need quick reactions to be a fighter pilot, and that to react will often be the wrong thing to do. Learn to plan ahead and to respond to life's difficulties, and you'll minimise your chance of failure and maximise your chance of having a well-balanced and successful life. Last quote, by failing to prepare, you're preparing to fail. Big old Benji Franklin. Okay, and that's it. Thanks very much. I really appreciate it. A bit of a long one, actually, isn't it? But it's, um, it's got 3,000 likes, which is cool. I think that means I've got 3,000 friends. Um, that's good, because I was kind of lacking in that department, I guess. Um, I'd really appreciate you listening to it, guys, as always. And again, if you want to support the site, there's multiple ways of doing that. Patreon is um, probably the, the key one. I keep meaning to put Patreon link in the thing, but I never do. That's going to be difficult, isn't it? You're probably listening in your cars anyway. Who cares, right? But if you do want to support the site, I would appreciate it. Don't have to. It just helps a little bit, I suppose. And if you do want coaching for $100, bargain, because um, it won't be that next year when I fully leave the Air Force, believe me, because it's not that right now with companies. The other thing I would say, 
I do like going down and speaking and delivering tangible content that is actionable to many people in the business setting and structure. If you are in a business and you want me to come down and speak to you, then I would love to do that. Um, and at the moment, uh, I, I do have some time where I probably can. So I can come down and speak to you on uh, whatever you want, really. But mostly it's going to be about obviously teaching people to fly airplanes and how that relates to you and your businesses. So get onto your bosses, check your availability, and I'll come down and uh, see whether we can have a chat about whatever you need me to talk. I also do deliver training classes as well to quite a few businesses at the moment. So I'll leave it there, guys, girls. Okay, really appreciate it. So uh, Tim Davies, thanks for listening to Fast Jet Performance. <laughs> <laughs>